Welcome to Legacy Church. Thank you for joining us in our journey to see our potential in Christ become a legacy in our community. We hope that you are encouraged by this word from Pastor Chad Owens and pray that you will walk away with something incredible from your time here with us. Just two real quick things I would remind you about. Tonight at 6 o'clock is going to be our worship service. As we end our corporate time of prayer and fasting, we're going to come together for a time of worship and, and praise. And immediately following that service tonight, we're going to have a real quick leader, uh, small group leaders meeting. So if you are a part of a small group, if you led a small group last semester, we want to see you right after the service tonight for just a real quick meeting before everybody heads out. And you guys are ready for the word this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 4. And we're going to be looking at the first 14 verses of the scripture this morning. And so today is our last day of prayer and fasting as, as, as a church, of corporate time of prayer and fasting. And I was just thinking about the, over the last 14 days, I pray, my prayer for you is this, is that, that you learn something about yourself, but you also learn to rely on God a little bit more. That you learn, because there's some things that I've learned about myself over this time of prayer and fasting that maybe that I didn't know before. But I've also learned that through this time of prayer and fasting, but can I, can I just be honest with you, there were some struggles during this time, I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, but I didn't look at my struggle during the fast, I looked at him. And every time that I, have a, I had a struggle come up, I said, Father, this is what you've called me to do. And I'm going to keep my eyes focused upon you because I know you want me to finish strong. You, you don't want me to just start it, but you want me to finish strong. And so throughout this uh, corporate fast, I've, I've learned some things. About, there's some things that I've prayed about. There's some things that I've sought God about. And I do believe that God is going to answer my prayers. I just do believe that. I don't, I don't know when, and I don't know how. And I don't care when, and I don't care how. I just know he's going to do it. Amen? So I'm excited to, to hear what God is going to do in your life as well. So, so this morning, I want us to, to, to focus on one, one word that, that just came to my mind this week as I was praying about the, the sermon, praying about the message, is this, is stronger. I've titled the message simply one word, and that is stronger. Through any situation that I face, through any situation that comes into my life, that even before I go through the situation, I may not be that strong, but I know that when I come out on the other side of it, that I'm going to be stronger than I was before I went into that season. Why? Because during that time of prayer and fasting, during that season, I've learned to do one thing, and that is to rely on God. I've learned to rely on God more to get me through that time because I don't want to just fast, but I want to see God move. I want to see God move in my life so that as I come through this, this time of prayer and fasting, I know that I'm stronger. Amen? I know that I am. May I may not feel stronger this morning. I may not feel stronger tomorrow when I wake up. But I'm telling you that I am stronger today than when I started the fast. Why? Because I've kept my eyes upon the one who's called me to fast. Who's called me to pray and to fast. And his name is Jesus. So I thought about something, and I just want to share it with you this morning. Years ago, and I don't know why I thought of this, but I, but I have to share it with you this morning. So, you know, just humor me for just a few moments, if that's okay. Years ago, um, when I got into exercising and, and, and lifting weights, and if you don't know something about me, I have an addictive personality to certain things. 
And Teresa's like, yeah, you, yeah, you do. Um, and this is one thing that, that I became addicted with. I, I became addicted to, to working out and exercising to where it, it, where it ruled my life, to where it pulled me away from my time with God. It, 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 I physically saw it where, where I went from spending time with God to not spending as much time with God to where not spending any time with God. That became my, my ritual. That became my God in my life. And can I tell you this morning, God had to humble me to get my attention. He humbled me. And you don't need to know what that is. And if you want to know, I'll tell you later after the service. But he humbled me. He had something happen to me that physically opened my eyes, that I had to say, wow, this is more important than my relationship with God. But during that time of, of, of exercising, I, I, got to start, I started taking protein powder. I started set, taking supplements. And, I, and there's one thing that I noticed, and listen, no, I did not take steroids. So just go ahead and throw that away. Oh, pastors took, used to take steroids. Um, I know that I, I kind of look like it right now, but I, but I didn't. <laughs> Um, but I got into taking these supplements, and what I noticed about these supplements, it, it made me feel good. It gave me energy. It, it helped me not to be sluggish when I was working out. It, it helped me not to be sore. If you've ever done any kind of exercise, you realize that after you're finished, either the next day or two days into it, you realize you're just like, oh my gosh, I can't move my muscles. You just get extremely sore, and so these things that I was taking was helping that process, but one thing I noticed about it was I was getting stronger. I was getting stronger. And then I, I stopped taking them, and I realized very quickly that I wasn't strong like I used to be. It went away. It was gone. And my thought process behind all of that is this, is the more that you put Jesus into your life, the stronger you will become. It's, it's, just, it's just how it works. You, you may not feel strong Right now, but I'm telling you, the more Jesus that you put into your life, the stronger you will become. And you will not only feel stronger, but you will start feeling different and you will start noticing how you react to things that's happened in your life. You will learn to control your anger. You will learn to control your tongue. You will learn how to do things differently. Why? Because you, the more Jesus that you put into your life, Jesus becomes to just begins to move throughout the areas of your life, and that spirit that God is placing inside of you begins to control how you think, how you react, and how you do things, and so you feel different than without it. It's a good place to say amen. But you also notice this. When you take him out of your life, you start noticing a difference. You start noticing that your mood is a little bit different. You, you start noticing that you're no longer controlling your tongue, that you're just saying whatever comes to your mind, that your, your attitude becomes a little, uh, a little more uh, lifted in your life. And so you notice that not only when Jesus is there, he makes a difference, but when he's not there, he, there, there you also notice that there's a difference in your life. Being stronger is what God has called every, every one of us to do. And so my question to all of us this morning is this. What kind of impact has God, does God have on your life when you begin to put him first? When we begin to put him first, we begin to notice what's happening differently in our life. The other night, my lovely wife made these Santa Fe stuffed bell peppers. 
Go ahead and say it. Mm-mm. And they were, um, let me tell you, they were fantastic. I mean, they, 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 were, they were wonderful. They were, they were amazing. Listen, I'm going to just tell you a few things that was in the, if you don't mind, because I want to make you hungry this morning. There was a lot, there was, there was turkey meat. Why? Because we were, we're trying to eat healthy, right? Okay. Uh, there was turkey meat. There was, there was uh, corn, black beans, hot peppers, tomatoes, scallions, garlic, uh, garlic powder, cilantro, salt and pepper. But on top of that stuffed bell pepper was this amazing thing called cheese. I mean, loves cheese this morning. I mean, it was just sprinkled all over the top of it, and it was just melted, and you cut through it. It just come, you know, it just came with you with your fork to your mouth. And it was wonderful. It's wonderful. And then I thought, you know what? I, I kind of like bell peppers by themselves, but I really love them when they're stuffed with something else. You know what I mean? They're okay by themselves, but... They're, but they're really, really good when they're stuffed with meat and cheese and all the wonderful stuff that I like. And so my thought process was this. Right now, we may be, we may be good. But if you start stuffing Jesus in your life, you become great. You become great. Why? Because you're taking the things that God has for me and you're shoving it in your life. I mean, that, ba- that bell pepper was just overflowing with, with goodies. And that's what God wants your life to be. Not a stuffed bell pepper, but he wants you to be your life to where you're so stuffed full of him that it runs out of every area of your life to to everybody that you come in contact with. So the whole point of this time of prayer and fasting was this, was to stuff Jesus in your life and to stuff Jesus in your life to push out what doesn't need to be there. That's what happens through corporate prayer and fasting is it begins to push out the things that doesn't need to be in our life because we all have things in our life that we still struggle with. But the more we shove Jesus in that area of our life, the more that thing begins to exit out of our life to where one day we go, man, you know, I don't, I'm not, I don't get angry anymore like I used to. I don't, I don't talk like I used to. I don't react like I used to. And you're like, why is that happening? One word, Jesus. Because the more you put him into your life, the more that Jesus begins to transform every single one of us. So Jesus is asking us today to continue putting in him because he wants you to be stronger. He wants you to be stronger. He wants you to overcome the obstacles that you face every single day. And the more you place in him in your life, the more that will happen. So I want to just share with you from the scripture this morning. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 14. You guys, are you guys with me this morning? Say amen. I want you to stand with me as I read God's word this morning in honor of God's word. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 14 says this. It says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing at all, uh, at all, that, time, at all that time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, If you're the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No. The scripture says people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of, in a moment of time. 
And he says, I will give you the glory of all these kingdoms and the authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it, I will give it all to you if you worship me. And Jesus replied, the scripture says you must not worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scripture says that he will order his angels to protect you and to guard you and they will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even uh, hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scripture also say you must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting uh, when the devil had fin- finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's, what's the next word? Power. Reports about him spread through the whole region. Think about that. He goes into the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit, but he comes out in what? The Spirit's power. In other words, he was strong when he went in, but he's much stronger now that he came out. Why? Because he has the Holy Spirit living inside of him. He's stronger. He is now stronger than when he went in to the time of prayer and fasting. Why? Because he allowed the Holy Spirit to come in. In other words, he took God and he shoved it. it, He stuffed him in his life. And now he's stronger. And that's what God wants from every single one of us in our life. The Spirit of God makes you stronger. It makes you stronger. It's available to every one of us in this room. And if we will take it and we will put it in our lives and we will allow the Spirit of God to live in our lives, He will make us stronger. And we will be victorious because of the Spirit's power that lives within each and every one of us. Pray with me. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your power. God, I pray today for every heart, every life, God, in this room, God, the Holy Spirit is available to every one of us in this room today, God. God, it is there to lead us. It is there to guide us. It is there to help us. God, it is there to uh, just just to be within our lives, God. God, it's there for us, but it also gives us power, Father, to resist the temptation of the enemy. And God, for so long, too many of us are falling to the, being a victim to the temptation of the enemy, God. And we're not using the very thing that you have given us, God, and that is called the Holy Spirit's power. And so I pray today, God, that when we leave this building, that we will leave this place today, God, with the Holy Spirit's power, God, that's going to change us to where people look at us and go, man, there's something different about that person. That's what I pray, God, today, that we will leave this place stronger by the power of God that lives inside of us. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. You can be seated this morning. What I love about that story is that Jesus goes into the wilderness. And if you've ever been in the wilderness, wilderness is a, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult place. It's a wild place. There's a lot of things out in the wilderness that can that can affect you, that can, that can harm you. But he goes, he goes into the wilderness getting ready to get along with God. He goes into a, the wilderness to, to take a time of prayer and fasting because he wants to fill himself with God. 
He wants to fill himself with the things that God has for him. Why? Because he realizes that he's about to go into a time of ministry. And what he needs more than ever in his life is not a, not a um, uh, he needs not just a good book. He doesn't need a good podcast. What he needs is the Spirit's power. Because he's about to face things that he hasn't faced before. He's about to face enemies and, and demons and all these things that he hasn't faced before. And he's preparing himself to go into the ministry because he knows and understands that there's temptation that's about to come his way. Why did Je- what did Jesus gain from this time of prayer and fasting? What did he gain from going into the wilderness to pray in the fast for 40 days? He gained, number one, that he had a plan and that God had a purpose for his life. But he gained... Another level of spirit of the Spirit's power that he didn't have before. He gained a power to overcome the number one enemy in his life, and his, and his name is Satan. Ever since Satan was kicked out of heaven because he wanted God's throne, there's always been this power struggle. And it happens in our life all the time. There's always this power struggle where the enemy's fighting us, and we're fighting him, and we're, he's fighting us back and forth. So why? Because he wants power. He loves power. He desires power in your life. And so he's going to come in and he wants to take away the very thing that God gave you and that is the only thing that can help you and that is Holy Spirit power. He wants to remove it from your life. Why? Because he knows if he can take it from you, you won't be powerful. You won't won't have anything that's going to make you powerful if the Spirit of God is not living in your life. And he knows that. So his job is to to persuade you and to pull you away from what God is wanting you to do and what God is wanting you to become. Why? Because he's trying to pull the power away from you that is available to you in your life. He's trying to persuade you that he has more power than you do. He's trying to tell you that I have more power than... Look, I rule this whole world. All of this stuff belongs to me. So he's trying to tell you that he has more power than you do. But can I tell you this morning, he doesn't. Why? Because you've got the Spirit of God living inside of your life. So he doesn't have more power than you do. He just thinks he does. And he makes you think he does. And so that's why we keep falling victim to over and over and over to these things. Why? Because we're not living in the very thing that God has given us. And that is the Holy Spirit's power. Can I tell you this morning, when we were singing those songs, it was everything that I could do to to stay on that drum set. Why? Because we we were singing about freedom. We were singing about liberty. We were singing about strength. We were singing about all these things in our life. And can I just be honest with you for a moment? Just, just, Just hear me out. There's some of you who are just like, you wasn't here. You wasn't here. And we're, listen, we're singing about the one who died for us, and we get more excited over a football game than what we do in church. Well, Pastor, I don't worship that way. I'm not, listen, I didn't either. I didn't worship that way until I started worshiping that way, and I learned that, man, there's just an expression that comes out of me. Why? Because of what God has done for me in my life, that, man, we need to put a smile on our face. We need to be excited about being in the presence of God. Why? Because the spirit of the power is here. And we need to start living in that. We need to start walking in that way. Why? Because the devil is fighting and he's winning. Start walking in the spirit of God's power so that you will be stronger to overcome the temptations that we face every single day. 
It's there available to you, but we need to realize that the only way that we will be stronger is to take God's power and to, and to shove it in our lives every single day so that we won't fall victim to what the enemy is trying to tell us. You see, we're falling victim to, to, to he's persuading us uh, through condemnation. He's, he's throwing out the power of fear and worry over our life. He's throwing out the power of sin over our life. He's throwing out the power of intimidation over our lives. And God says, I've overcome all of those things. Why are you still dealing with it? Why are you still walking in intimidation? Why are you still walking in fear? Why are you still walking in worry? I've already overcome those things. And the devil starts dropping that over and over in our lives every single day. So we get intimidated. We get worried. We become fearful, you know, fearful for things in our life. Why? Because the devil's putting it over us every single day. And God says, listen, I've overcome it. Why don't you get rid of it? Stop thinking that way. Stop acting that way. That's what, the, that's what God is telling us. Why? Because he wants us to be stronger. 1 John chapter 4, verses 4 says this. It says, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who lives inside of you is greater than the one who lives in this world. That is a fantastic place to say amen this morning. The spirit of God that lives inside of you is greater than the spirit of this world called the enemy. And we need to start walking in it. We need to start applying it to our life. And we need to understand that what God has given us in our life overcomes every struggle that we face in this life. If we will just walk in it. But we get intimidated. Man, I don't know if I should, I don't know if I should invite somebody to church because somebody might get a little crazy. Somebody might throw some hands up. and You know, you know how it is. And the day that they come, guess what? Somebody starts dancing around the church, and you're just like, oh, my gosh. Why are they doing this today? Don't be afraid. Listen, don't be afraid of what God wants to do. God is looking for a place where he can be free. He's not looking for a place to be shackled. He's looking for a place to be free. And can I tell you, it will happen. It's going to happen. It's gonna, when, it, when you allow it to happen, it happens. It, you just, there, there, it just goes to another level. It just goes to another level when we allow the God, the Spirit of God living inside of us to make us stronger. Now, I thought, you know, it's a funny thing to think about Jesus' life, how Jesus' life was changed because of prayer and fasting. But the Bible says that he goes into the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit, but he comes out walking in what? The Holy Spirit's power. So he was changed. He was stronger. He was different. And that's what God is telling us. We may go into it this way, but if we will trust God, we're going to come out of it this way. Because we're living in and applying his word to our life. You see, if you look throughout scripture, there are several places where the leaders that God had placed in, uh, over, you know, in leadership positions, where they, where they called a time of corporate prayer and fasting. You can find it in 1 Kings chapter 21. You can find it in Jeremiah chapter 36. In Jonah chapter 3, you will find Ezra chapter 8, Esther chapter 4, and, and also in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, where the leadership that God had placed in these positions called a time of corporate prayer and fasting. Why? Because they needed something from God. And so the reason why we fast at the beginning of the year and call a corporate prayer and fasting time is because we need something from God. But there's also times throughout the year that you have individual times where you, you pray and fast about things for yourself or would, and nobody knows. 
There's times for corporate press, uh, fast, but there's times where we get along with God and just, it's just he and I have an individual time and individual prayer and fasting in our life. You see, Jesus was given a platform to preach the gospel, to touch people's lives, to proclaim liberty to the captive, to do all these things. But before he ever stepped on the platform, there was a preparation that took place in him and that took place in the garden through 40 days of prayer and fasting. It made him stronger. You see, through us, there's, as I said it last week, God has given us a platform. God has given us a position to glorify his name and to rescue people. But before we ever step on that platform, there needs to be preparation. Because we know that the moment that we step on that platform, the moment that we start stepping forward in faith and moving towards what God has called us to move, I can tell you that the enemy is not going to hold anything uh, back. He's coming after you full force. So more, more importantly, that's the time that we need the Spirit of God. Why? Because he's called us to reach people. And the number one enemy in your life is a man named Satan, and he's going to do everything he can to persuade you to get off the platform and don't live that way. He's going to tell you to do that in our lives. He was given a platform to reach people and to live for people. You see, during those, time, during those days of 40 days, Jesus' flesh was at his weakest. He endured temptation after temptation from Satan. You see, Satan offered him the world. He offered him an alternative to God's plan. He, he, uh, he wanted Jesus to compromise what God had called him to do so that he could satisfy his, nature, his natural desires. He came after him. He began to fight him. He began to tempt him in the natural. This is what happens when we begin to try to add more Jesus to our life. Is that the Satan will come in and he will begin to tempt you when you're at your weakest. Why? Because he's trying to pull you away from the very thing that God has called you to do. So three things this morning I want to share with you about the scripture that I feel like God spoke to me. Number one, number one is this, temptation comes when you're at your weakest. Temptation comes when you're at your weakest. Look at verses 2 and 3. It says, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days, then it says, Jesus ate nothing at all, and he became, what's the next two words? Very hungry. He was very hungry. He wasn't just hungry, but he was hungry, and he was probably a little bit angry because he was hungry, so now he's hangry. He was hungry. He wasn't just, just a little bit hungry, but he was very hungry. Hungry, And then the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. When he was at his weakest point, Jesus was to the point of almost starvation. The devil slips in and he begins to tempt him in the what? The natural. He begins to tempt him where he's the weakest right now in his life. And that is in his hunger. He's hungry. He just fasted for 40 days and 40 nights without eating anything or drinking anything. So he's extremely hungry. And the devil knows that. So he comes in and he begins to tempt him when he's at his weakest time. And so the, de so the devil tells him, he says, listen, if you're the son of God... If you're the almighty one sent down from heaven, 
Why are you so hungry? Why are you so hungry? Why is God not taking care of you? Why is God not feeding you? Why is God not taking care of the situation that's in your life at that moment? Why are you so hungry, God, or Jesus? Why are you so hungry? Same way he does with us. If God loves you, Chad, why are you struggling financially? Chad, if God loves you so much, why do you have physical issues in your life? Chad, if God loves you so much, why are you battling this thing in your life? Because he's going to come in when you're at your weakest point. And he's going to begin to fight you. And he's going to become after you. And he's going to bring forth the very thing that you are desiring at that moment in the natural so that you will get away from God's plan. Because he's trying to pull you away from what God is trying to do in your life. What would happen if Jesus in that moment said, you know what, devil, you're right. It's okay, I'll just, I'll just take this stone and I'll turn it into bread. Everything that, that God had sent Jesus to do would have changed in that moment. Because he would have fallen into temptation. Gee, this enemy's going to come after you when you're weakest. He's not going to come after you when you're at your strongest point. He's going to come after you when you're weak. He's going to come after you when, you when you least expect it, just like he did Jesus. Why? Because he wants to work in your weakness. He wants you to understand that, that he has more power than you do. Because if God cared for you in that moment, you wouldn't be that way. You wouldn't be struggling with that right now in your life if Jesus says who he was. Jesus was to the point of starvation, and the enemy comes in. In other words, he was at his breaking point. Have you ever been there in your life before? You ever had a breaking point in your life? You were just like, that's it. I'm out, done, walking away. That's where Jesus was. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 13, it says this. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may, not, that you will, that you may be able to endure it. When Satan comes in to tempt you, God comes in with an escape route. When Satan comes in to tempt you at your weakest point in your life, God comes in and he gives you an opportunity to escape that moment. Just like he did Jesus. He came in, God provided him a way out. And what was his way out? The scripture. God, uh, the son of God will not live by bread alone. By, by what? By God's power, spirit. You see, we can't, we can't survive just on the natural. We have to have the spiritual. Because it's in the, it's in the natural that the enemy fights us. But if we have the spiritual, the spiritual man of God that, lifts, that lives inside of us and rises up beyond the natural, then we will be stronger in that situation. He's going to come after you when you're at your weakest point in your life. You see, God knew how far Jesus had gone. God knew what he had gone without during this time of prayer and fasting, but he still allowed Jesus to be tempted. See, God knows what you've given up over this time of prayer and fasting. God knows what, what, um, what you've been praying about. And some of you, maybe you have faced temptation from the enemy, and God knows that. But he also wants you to know that he's supplying a way for you to get out of that temptation to where you don't have to fall victim to temptation and the lies of the enemy. That he provides those things for us in our life. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. 
He didn't sin through that temptation. Why? Because he was full of the Spirit of God. You see, you know the reason why David committed the act of adultery with Bathsheba? Because he was weak. You see, David should have been away fighting a war with his soldiers. He should have, he should have left with his men to go fight uh, this battle. But David decided, you know what, I'm going to stay at home and I'm not going to go partake in this time of battle. I'm just going to stay at home and I'm just going to rest. I'm going to get comfortable. And what happens? He goes to sleep, he wakes up, he goes for a little stroll in the palace and he makes eye contact with somebody that's just across the, the way there. And he committed adultery with Bathsheba. Why? Because he was weak. David was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And do you know what happens when you're in the wrong place at the wrong time? You fall victim to sin. You fall victim to sin. David was attacked when he was at his weakest point and he failed. Luckily, he came, he was, his life changed later on, but he failed at the weakest point of his life. He committed adultery with someone. And can I tell you, man, I want to talk to you just for a minute. Sometimes we think it's just one click. Or we just think it's this, or we just think it's that. But I'm telling you, when you're at your weakest point and you're messing around with something you're not supposed to, you're going to fall victim to something. Just because you come to church, just because none of that matters. If you're messing with things that don't need to be messed with, and you know what I'm talking about. You're going to fall victim to it. Why? Because you're messing in the sin. You're messing in the sin. God, G, the enemy knows it. He knows that you're weak in that area. So where do you think he's going to attack you from? That area. He's going to tell you things. He's going to, oh, Chad, it's just one click here. It's just one picture. It's just this. It's just that. It's not really going to affect you. It's not going to affect your marriage. It's not going to affect anything in your life. Yeah, but five years later, you realize, man, that really had an effect on my life. Because when you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, you better watch out because the enemy is going to come in and he's going to come after you full force. So you better stay away from those areas, men and women, both. Because we don't want to fall victim to anything that the enemy thinks is good in our life because he's going to lie and tell you that it's okay. You see, Jesus was tempted with food. Why? Because he was hungry. But verse 4 said, but Jesus looks at the enemy and he says this one word, No! He says no. When is the last time that we told the enemy no? When was the last time that we looked at him dead in the face and said, hey, you're not going to get me in that area? No. That's what Jesus did. He looked at the enemy and he said, no. You will not get me in this area. Why? Because I have the Spirit's power living inside of me. Because I'm not called just to live by bread alone. I'm called to operate in God's power. If you will stand up and say no, just like you tell your children when they want something. Dad, can I have this? No! Leave me alone! If we will do the same thing with the enemy, the Bible says that if you will resist him, he will flee. He will flee. But there's not a lot of resisting in our church today. There's a lot of playing cards with, with Satan. 
And we wonder why Christians are falling and Christians are leaving ministry and people, Christian, good Christian people are getting divorces. Why? Because they're not living in God's power. They're listening to the voice of, God, uh, for, uh, voice of the enemy instead of listening to God's voice. David failed. Why? Because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Jesus looks at Satan and says, no, I'm not going to fall victim to this. You see, we become powerful tools when we're connected to, to God's power. We become powerful tools in God's hands. You see, Jesus told his disciples that he had food that they didn't know anything about. You see, Jesus was hungry, but he was full of the Spirit. But the problem is with the church today is this. We have full stomachs, but we're empty in the Spirit. We're empty in the Spirit. Uh, we're, I mean, we're fat and sassy, but we don't, we're not full of the Spirit. See, Jesus was hungry, but he was full of the Spirit, which caused him to say no to temptation. Why? Because he was full of the Spirit. He wasn't thinking about his hungriness. He was thinking about the call that God had on his life to fulfill the thing that God had called him to fulfill. Number two is this. It's just broken promises. It's just broken promises. The devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he says these words, I will give you the glory of all these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said. Because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you worship me. Jesus replied, the scripture says you must, not worship, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You see, Satan was trying to change Jesus' destiny. He was trying to get him to forfeit the way of the cross by simply bowing down and worshiping him. Because he knew if he, could get, if he could get Jesus from going to the cross, then he would change destiny. He would change the very thing that Jesus came to do. He was trying to get Jesus to, tra to trade his external power for a temporary desire. You see, God's way of living calls us to deny ourselves. Satan's way of living calls, calls you to live for yourself. Satan wants you to doubt God's way and to go his way. Why? And so Satan's going to come in and he's going to promise you things, but they're broken promises. They will never turn out the way that he tells you they're going to turn out. He may say, hey, I will give you the world, but he doesn't tell you what's going to happen when you bow down and worship him. It's just broken promises. It's just broken promises. He's going to say, hey, man, if you'll worship me, I'll give you all of this. And all it is is just broken promises. But there is one man who, does, who never breaks a promise. And that's God. He never breaks a promise. If God has promised you something, it will happen. But the devil is going to offer you broken promises to get you away from the very thing that God has called for you in your life. You see, Satan wants us to doubt God's way and go his way. That's why he promises you the world if you'll just worship him. He was promising something to Jesus that later would return, that would be returned back to Jesus because of what happened on the cross. Satan's going to promise you the world. He's going to promise you things that are never going to turn out the way that he pictures it to turn out. James chapter 4, I said it just a minute ago. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He will flee from you. The enemy's going to look at you and he's going to say, look at everything that you can gain by worshiping me. Look at everything that you're going to get by worshiping me. But Jesus looked at him and said, I'm not going to worship you. 
I'm going to worship the one and true, real, only God. And number three is this. You better know what the Bible says. You better know what the Bible says. Because if you don't, the enemy's coming and he's going to twist everything in front of you. And if you don't know what the word of God says, you're going to fall victim to his, to whatever he's trying to do in your life. So you better know what the word of God says. In the last days, you better know what God's, what, what God's word says. Because the enemy's not going to play around. He's going to, he's coming after you. Look at verse 9 and 10. It says, then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, if you're the son of God, jump off. And here's the devil. The devil starts quoting scripture to Jesus. He says, for the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect and to guard you. And they will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. But what did Jesus responded? But the scripture also say, he also says that you're not supposed to test God. So if you're just looking at that and the enemy's going, well, hey, he starts, he starts quoting scripture in your life and you're just like, well, that makes sense. That makes sense to me. I've heard that before. That makes sense to me. But what he doesn't tell you is the part that he leaves out. Because he's going to tell you what you want to hear. So it's important that you know what the Word of God says. Because in that moment, if Jesus didn't know what the Word of God says, he would have listened to the enemy and he would have just jumped off right there in the moment. Why? Because he knew that God would take care of him. But Jesus also, Jesus also knew, hey, you're not supposed to test God. Don't test him. So you better know what the Word of God says. Because he's going to twist it, he's going to conform it, he's going to do everything he can just so you will fall victim to the thing that he says. You see, for Satan, it's all about the show. He wants everybody. He wants you to show, he wants to give you the show, he wants to give you all of those things. But you see, Jesus is not worried about the show, he's worried about the people. Too many times we worried about the show and we forget about the people. Jesus didn't come for the show. He came for the people. But the enemy's like, hey, if you'll just do this, if you'll just do that. But Jesus said, oh, hold on. You left an important part out of that scripture too. That we're not supposed to test God. We're not supposed to test God. Psalms chapter 91 verses 11 and 12 says this. It says, for he will command his angels concerning you guard in all your ways. They will lift you up with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Come on, Jesus, just jump off. He'll save you. He won't even let your little toe touch the ground. Just jump off. He'll save you. But you see, what I love about it, Jesus not only knew the word, but he knew the truth. He knew the truth. And then you look at verse 14, the very last scripture that we're going to look at this morning. After all the temptation, after everything that's happened, after Jesus rebuked the devil three different times and he left him to come back at some other point in his life, Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. The Bible says the reports about him spread quickly throughout the region. He goes into the wilderness strong, but he comes out on the other side stronger. Why? Because he had the power of God living inside of him. And he was able to resist every temptation that, Jesus, that, God, that Satan threw at him. Why? Because he preached the word to him. 
You preach the word. The truth. The truth. I want you to stand with, to your feet this morning, and we're going to close out in a time of prayer. He come out of the garden, out of the wilderness, full of the Spirit's power. I want you to close your eyes just for a moment all over this place. See, it's all about surrendering to God. It's all about surrendering your life to God. It's about taking a moment and saying, you know what, God? Here, here's my life. God, I know I did this yesterday, but God, I'm doing it again today because today is a new day, which means more challenges from the enemy. So God, I need your power today, just like I had yesterday. It's about taking time to surrender, submitting yourself to God, coming under his authority. Because God wants you to be stronger. He doesn't want you to fall victim to temptation. He doesn't want you to live in bondage. He doesn't want you to live in religion. He wants you to have a relationship with Him. So it's about surrender. See, Jesus surrendered His life in the garden and said, God, here's my life. I'm here for you. I'm here to get along with you. I'm here for the Spirit's power, God. I need it all because I'm about to go out and do ministry, and I need it. Same thing with every one of us. We need Spirit's power to go out and do ministry, to touch broken hearts, and broken homes, and people that are struggling with addiction, people that don't feel worthy, people that have walked away from God or don't even know God. Those are the people that God's called us to reach. New mercies. So my prayer for you this morning is this. Right where you stand. Right where you stand, I want you to just commit your life to Jesus right now. Just surrender it to him. Say, God, here's my life. Don't worry about being intimidated. Don't worry about fear. Don't worry about worry. Don't worry about where you're going to go. Just say, God, here's my life. I surrender it to you. I surrender it to you, God. God, I don't want to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. God, I don't, want to, I don't want to keep falling victim to temptation that the enemy is bringing before me all the time, God. I want to be able to stand up and resist the enemy, God, because of the power that's living inside of me. God, I don't want to be another statistic, God. Surrender. Surrender. You may be here today and you say, Pastor, would you just will you just remember me in prayer? I'm fighting some situations in my life and I, I just need I just need somebody to be praying with me. If you're here, would you just simply lift your hand up if that's you? Thank you. 
God knows your need. Anybody else? Thank you. You can put your hands down. As God was looking down at Jesus as he was going through that time of prayer and fasting, he knew what he needed. He didn't, he didn't need the bread. He didn't need the, uh, the, the kingdom. He didn't need all of that stuff. What he needed was God's power. Because that's the very thing that, that helps us to overcome the things that we face in our life. So God knows what you need this morning if you lifted your hand. Just receive it from him. Receive it from him this morning because it's yours. Full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit's power. And the news spread throughout the community. Because of the wonderful things that he was doing. Can I tell you this morning how incredible would it be. That people in the community are talking about Legacy Church. Not because they have. 500 people or they have the best worship band or they have the, the best teachers none of that but what if they're talking about hey have you, have you met the people because there's something different about them there's something different about them God today I thank you for your people I thank you for your word Father that has been spoken to each and every one of us today God and Father I pray that we would begin to operate in the Spirit's power. Just stand up against the enemy and tell him no. That he's not going to win over this situation any longer. And not fall victim to his lies. God, give us your strength and your power. Your power, God. Stronger, stronger than ever, because the Spirit of God lives in me. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. Thank you once again for joining us at Legacy Church. Stay tuned in to our website for updates on events and check out other messages under the online listening tab. We'd love to see you, so join us Sundays at 1030 a.m or Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Have a blessed day.